ladies and gentlemen. It is Saturday, June, actually July 28th, and you are here for Humor and Mistakes. Each week we have a guest on our show to discuss mistakes, mishaps, and missteps that they made throughout life. We hope to find wisdom and a few laughs along the way. This week we're here with comedian and software engineer Jesse Bernier. Those rhyme. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You having a great Saturday? Yes. Uh, very, very relaxing. Uh, not, not doing anything kind of Saturday. You remember when I first got here and I said I was going to tell you something, but I wanted to tell you on the air? Yes. I think I almost killed a lady today. Uh-oh. I sold my mattress. Okay. And when she texted me about it, she said she was going to be coming in a U-Haul. She showed up in a Nissan Ultima, like a very small car, uh-huh. and said, will you help me put this on the roof with three small ropes? Uh-huh. And the whole time, <laughs> I was like, ma'am, like, I want to sell you this, but I don't think that this is going to work. Right. Your mattress is going to end up on the side of the road. Yeah. And I still put it on there. Mm-hmm. That's, that is called adult. <laughs> that is called me standing by and letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. The bystander effect. <laughs> uh, you know, on some level, that's what she wanted, so that's what she was going to do. You can only do so much. Warn people. Give your advice. Like, the more I tied it down with these, like, very thin ropes, the mm-hmm. more I was, like, I started talking more. Like, when she first, I was like, oh, this maybe could work. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, you know, this this may not work, but I was positive and then as we started trying to tie it down mm-hmm. i started being more and more adamant like ma'am this is this is not going to end well for you. yeah i uh there was one time that i tried to do something similar my uh grandfather had a, a truck and we tried tying a mattress onto that and he drove ahead of us and me and my mother drove behind to watch because we kept thinking that thing's going to fly off and some people might get hurt and we don't want that to happen so we were the ones behind, just trying to make sure that nobody else would be behind if it came off. Um, and it, it worked. So I guess that's something that works sometimes. <laughs> hey, sometimes. It was the mattress and box spring, mm-hmm. and we only had three very small ropes. So Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. So tell me about yourself, man. All who right. Who are you? Who am I? That's a good question. Um, basically, who I am now is completely different than who I was growing up. <clears throat> who were you growing up? And that's, uh, yes. So I was very shy, quiet. I was the kid that didn't talk to anyone, didn't really have many friends, um, really introverted. And I really was not uh, very good at school. I was a very, a slacker, I guess is what you'd call it. I didn't put any effort into school. And that's one of the things that I, I guess, I guess it's a a regret. It's something I wish that I had done differently back then. Um, Did you, were you just lazy or did you not get it no I was just lazy I was the kind of guy that could get away with not doing homework not studying and still pull B's in my classes and A's in like math classes <laughs> when it came time to apply for colleges I did not get accepted anywhere because I had I had really good SAT scores I had like 1400 and something and that was back out of 1600 used to be yeah um, <clears throat> but my grade point average was like a B or a C and that's not what colleges want to see they want to see that you can put in the work, that you're willing to put in effort, 
and I didn't put in the effort. So I didn't get accepted to any colleges. After high school, I just I went straight into just pizza delivery. And then at some point, I guess at the end of my 20s, I think I was about 28 or something like that, um, I finally decided it was time to go back to school because you can only get so far without a college education. Without that degree, people won't hire you. What was it like, like mentally delivering pizzas? Were you, did you think about your future for the first, you did it for eight years? Something like that. I didn't think about my future. I liked listening to music in my car. Um, you got paid in cash, so that was nice to have cash every single time that you went into work. You don't have to pay taxes on cash. Yes, exactly. So for like a you know 18-year-old, that was pretty sweet. You know, I could make $100 in a night and not have to pay taxes on it or anything like that. Um, Which is good. Taxes are a scam. Yes. <laughs> they are a scam. It is theft. Taxation is theft. Don't get me started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are you going to take money from me? So, But then one of the things they don't tell you about uh, is that you put an awful lot of wear and tear on your car delivering pizzas, which at the time, so this is like back in the 90s, and so at the time, I could make a couple hundred dollars in a weekend and go buy a car for a couple hundred dollars. You can't buy a car for a couple hundred dollars anymore. Um, so I thought I had figured out the system of just, you know, drive a car till it breaks down, get a couple hundred dollars, go buy another one, just drive it into the ground. But there's not much future in that. Was there a, a wake-up call for you? I think it was just that I, I guess I just got tired of it. Because there's, uh, there's a lot of, I guess it's a lot of uh, customer service involved in that. And so you have to deal with the, the complaints and all the people that are unhappy. And that was something that I didn't like dealing with. Uh, so I thought, I know, I'll go work on computers. Then I don't have to deal with people. You, you <laughs> can just be done with them. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how uh, the computer industry really works. You still have, you have to have a customer in order to have a business. At least having a higher quality of customer where I could have intelligent conversations with uh, like software development. What does your company need? What can I promise you? What can I deliver? You decided at 28 you were going to do something different. Yes. How did you go about that? Um, how did I go about that? I, I guess basically I... Um, I took a class, uh, a certification, and just basic computer uh, servicing. Um, And then that led me to, I guess, recruiters got me a a job in a a warehouse putting computers together. And uh, and from there, I moved into like a tech support job and uh, became supervisor. things like that. And then that was kind of when I realized that I was really still limited by not having uh, a college degree. And so that was when I decided computers is what I want to do. So uh, I went to Durham Tech, which is uh, really good um, if you're not really a school type person, uh, because they're small classes and uh, personal personal, uh, interaction with the teachers. And then from there, I was able to apply to NC State and got in their engineering program. So you had the skills, but the college degree held held you back? Yes. At least that's the way I felt. I mean, for that's the way I feel for sure. I see that a lot. Man, college degree is the biggest scam they've ever pulled on America. <laughs> I, can we have a, a two-minute just rant about that? <laughs> the biggest scam they ever pulled. There are so many jobs that you can learn on-site that they require a college degree 
so colleges can make money, the government can give out loans, so that they can make money. It is it is such a I could do, I couldn't do my job without a college degree, but I could. And by that I mean if I somebody pulled me aside from high school and like let me train you for four years yeah. and pay you minimum wage, I could be doing my job. Yes. And <clears throat> and yeah, they they got us. I agree with you and the whole college loan. I've still got that floating over my head, uh, which is the other reason why you should go to Durham Tech first so you don't have to go through the full four, or in my case, five years to get an engineering degree. My kids ain't going to college. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. They're not. The only way to fight back is for people to stop sending their kids to college. Yeah. If, if for five years no one sent their kids to college, then then that's how you would fight it back. And they'd be like, oh, okay, we got to stop this scam or make it lower. No one's going to lower the price as long as people go. Like, that's not going to happen. So stop stop complaining about the price <laughs> mm-hmm. and stop sending your kids to college. I wish I had a kid that was 18 now, so I could not send it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, you can tell I'm angry about my student loans, too. Yeah, yeah. But you made the decision you went to college. Yes. So how was that process? You were delivering pizzas, but you mm-hmm. weren't furthering yourself. Right. You tend to hang out with other people who aren't furthering themselves, right? Yes, and I think that was one thing that influenced my decision is I looked at, you know, I was still in my 20s, but I saw these guys in their 40s still delivering pizzas, and not to hate on that, but they weren't getting anywhere in their life either, and I just thought this is, there's no future in this, so I need to make a change. How do you separate yourself from people? Like, I'm sure you're cool with people. Mm -hmm. Are you still cool with a lot of people from back then? Um, I mean, I would be, but just, uh, I, I haven't kept in touch with any of them. Um, so yeah, you, you're, you're right that you, you tend to spend your time with the people that are in your circle. Um, so once I left that circle, I guess I just didn't keep in touch with those friends. Was it tough? Um, not really, because I just, I guess I had always kind of, uh, I've always kind of been a bit of a loner, um, so it was easy to just transition and just keep it myself while doing, you know, schoolwork, stuff like that. Was it, was the work tough, though? Um, the... The schoolwork. The schoolwork? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I would say an engineering degree is one of the hardest, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'd say it's probably got to be one of the hardest degrees to get because uh, not only are you doing the classes, but you have to do lab work as well. And that felt like a whole extra class. So instead of taking four classes that you think you're signing up for, it really <laughs> felt like about six classes because the, 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 the lab work, which was really interesting because I did a lot of circuit building and stuff like that. So I did um, both a so- uh, software and hardware. Okay. Um, and so I really liked the circuit building aspect, but so you had to you had to write out what you thought was going to happen. Then you had to go build the circuit. Then you had to test it. And then you had to write conclusions about where you right or wrong about what you predicted it was going to do. That's a lot. And that, that's like a whole class in and of itself. But that was just a, a lab. <laughs> and it was, and I, I really uh, had weeks. Uh, my work week would basically be like, or I guess each day would be getting home from school, doing homework until midnight or two in the morning, and then getting up at about six and going right back to school the next day. And that was really draining on top of everything else. Were you working? No. Fortunately, uh, I didn't have to work while I was at school, but that's also because uh, all the student loans that I was <laughs> taking out. Um, and one of the things that they don't really 
teach you how to manage is they give you all the money up front uh, when you get these loans. So each semester, I would get this, I don't know, five or $6,000 or something like that chunk right up front. And then I had to make that last through the semester. Oh, they definitely don't teach you. Mm -hmm. I bought rock band because of a... Uh... <laughs> Yes, I, I, and I had many thoughts of I could take this money and go to Vegas right now and see if I could be a, like a professional poker player. <laughs> um, or I could, I could stay in school <laughs> this semester. Fortunately, I never went to Vegas, so I stayed in school. That's good. That's good. So you started accomplishing your goals, and then you went back to school yes. because you saw a need for it. What happened after that? Let's see. Somewhere in there uh, was when I got married. There was, and, and uh, she was an artist. She still is. Define artist, like a rap artist. Uh... Uh, okay, yes. Uh, mixed media, paintings, lampshades, tabletops, a lot of mostly like painting type stuff. And so that was uh, while I was in school. So that was a lot of schoolwork during the week and then going to art events on the weekends, uh, <laughs> which is very different. But it was very interesting. And then that was one of the moments in my life that really taught me how to be social, which was not something I had done previously in my life. Define social. And, and the reason I'm asking that question is because some people like to be by themselves. Right. So did you more like to be by yourself or were you just scared to be around people? Um, that's a good question. I, I think on some level I must have been scared to be around people just because, you know, like in my teenage years I had really low self-esteem. I didn't think I was interesting. I didn't think I was funny, you know. But once I started going to school and started going to art events, I found out that I was interesting and I was funny. <laughs> and that was, uh, it, it was fun, you know, and it, it, it gave me some energy to, I think that was kind of the early days of me wanting to be a performer is, okay. you know, I could put on, uh, put on a show. You know, I didn't have jokes, but I made, made people laugh. Because, the re yeah, one of the reasons I ask that question is because I'm a mix. Sometimes I am in the mood to hang out with everybody, yeah. but then there are times, about 50% of the time, when yeah. I don't want to be around anybody, Yeah. and it's just because I like to vibe in my room by myself. Yes, and I, I think that's something that you and I have in common then, because that's exactly how I am, is there will, I can go a whole week without really leaving the house, and then, you know, I'll have like a, a improv show or something, and then I get up for that, and then... Once that energy kind of gets tapped into, then I start wanting to be around people, and I want to perform, and I want to make people laugh. Yeah. So. Man, books are good. Like, I, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'd rather read a book than hang out with you guys tonight. <laughs> no, no offense to anybody. Right. So, okay, so you got married. Yes. Uh, and you started being more social. Yes. What was that change like for you? Um... And did it help having someone push you to be more social? Yes. Uh, that's one thing that I definitely um, got out of the relationship was um, it was almost like I had, uh, uh, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, like um, I learned how to talk to girls basically <laughs> because I had this shield. Oh, I'm married. You know, I'm not hitting on you, but we can have this conversation and we can talk. Um, and that uh, taught me that girls do like me, and that was something that I wasn't really used to. Really? Um, so, and then just to kind of jump forward, I am divorced now, so being single again, I've got this whole new perspective on life, on talking to women, talking to people, um, and just having, uh, having that confidence and courage to go out there and be social and to meet people and to make new friends. So what Jesse is saying, that even if you're married, 
don't lose your ability to talk to women <laughs> just in case it ends. As a matter of fact, take it a step further. Because you're married, you can now talk to women and their defenses won't be up because you're married. Therefore, you should be even more trained by the time you get divorced. Because <laughs> half of y'all getting divorced. The divorce rate is 50%. Yeah. Thank you for that knowledge. <laughs> uh Yes, thank you for summing up. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to get married. Now I'm going to come out a guru just like, <laughs> be like uh, be like Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. After I get divorced, walk. <laughs> I got all my Jedi powers now, my talking to women powers. Mm-hmm. You know, after my hiatus, after uh, Shadow Strikes Back or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I like that movie just because he comes back and he's a badass. Mm-hmm. He's just, just like, I learned the force now. Yes, yes. So, all right, so you learn to talk to women. What Did you get anything else from your? <laughs> no, that's the only thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, well, it it's really interesting because, I'd, I, you know, I'd had girlfriends before I uh, got married, but I had never really had a long-term relationship. And so it really, um, I guess one of the big changes I went through is, um, I used to be the, the the guy that was stereotypically like the deer in headlights when we're going to talk about our emotions kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then being with someone, um, one of the good pieces of advice for relationships is the problems should never be me versus you. It should be us versus the problem. And that uh, helped me learn to really open up and to let myself be vulnerable and to say, okay, here's the problem. We need to deal with it. We need to talk about it. Um, and so that really helped me get more in touch with myself, you know, my inner self. Okay. That's, that's good advice, man. I might take that. Cause I'm <laughs> usually like, I just like, Hey, give, give me a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I don't want to really talk about it and right. I'll be good. And also you have to learn that it's okay to say things like that. Like let, let's not talk about this right now. Give me some time and then we'll talk about it later. Oh, I'm just like to bury it. Right. <laughs> just. Just bury it deep, deep down. Right. I hear you. And I, and I think that's who I was when I was a teenager. Ignore it. Put it away. Put it in the back of your mind. Put it out of your mind. Um, but the problems don't go away. So you have to deal with it at some point. That's so now my mindset is more of like, let's just deal with this right now. Get it out of the way. That's what Patrice, my therapist, says. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Or, or uh, Ditrice, whatever. I don't want to put her name out there, but I just did. Uh, she be telling me some stuff. Can I tell you what she told me this week? Yes. <clears throat> so I have this. I was telling her, I was like, look, one of my, not greatest fears, but I told her I never want to become a simp, right? You know what a simp is? No. A simp is like a dude who's like, uh, his 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 girlfriend runs everything in his okay. life. Like just one of those dudes that like. Right, right. And she said, the reason you're so afraid to become that, because I was like, that's pro- I was like, that's why I avoid, avoid marriage and serious relationships. She said, the reason you avoid that so hard is because deep, deep down, that's what you really want. And I was like, get out of my head. <laughs> you, you, about to be, you about to be free Wednesdays at 4 o'clock if you keep right. trying to dig in my head like that. Yes. Don't really have a response, <laughs> but that, that that makes sense though. Um, that the things the things that we're afraid of is because deep down we know that we might want that thing. I don't know, man. 
I don't know if I'm if I'm ever at that altar. I owe a lot of people money. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so you learned about yourself, that relationship ended. Yes. And then you started doing, when did you start doing improv? Um, about a year and a half ago. Um, it was one of those situations where I had just gotten separated. I was very depressed. I was not leaving the house. And I said, I'm going to take a class of something that's going to be fun. And I was looking at art classes, things like that. And I happened to come across uh, Improv 101. So I said, I'm going to try it. It's, you know, out of my comfort zone kind of thing. And so I went um, and uh, the class was really just so much fun. And I just I didn't even know that I had it within me to get up on a stage in front of people and to do stupid things and have them laugh. You drank the improv Kool-Aid. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're there. You've been poisoned. Yes. Uh, poisoned. But it makes me stronger. It makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. What have you learned about yourself since doing improv? Thank you for asking. <laughs> Here's another life lesson is um, I, I took a couple classes and then the theater had tryouts to get placed on one of their teams. And so I went to the tryouts and I did not get on a team. And the uh, people that were making that decision were very open about, you know, let us know if you want any feedback or, you know, things like this. Um, so I knew a couple of them because they had been my teachers. So uh I, I I went to them and I asked, and I said, what can I work on? What am I good at? What am I not good at? And um, the three of them that I talked to, uh, I took all their notes, and I tried to put it down, and then I tried to be very analytical and, like, here's your pros and cons kind of thing. And one thing that I really realized is that every single one of them pretty much said, you are a very good support character, but you don't take enough risks. You need to take more risks. You need to initiate. And as I told people about that in my life, I realized that's not just my, uh, how I'm analyzed in improv, that's how my life, that's how I play my life. You know, I'm always trying to be that support character, but I don't take enough risks. And all of a sudden it was like, my mind just blew. Like, I was like, that's what I've been doing wrong my whole life, not taking risks. Not, not jumping. Right. So I, I just think it's really interesting. And I've been keeping some notes, and I'm not sure what to do with them, turn it into a book or a blog or something, but basically just a lot of the lessons that I've learned from improv affect uh, or apply to my actual real life. I think that's, that's so funny because I had a coach, uh, Dan DeSalva, who told me you want to do it right so much mm-hmm. that you'll wait till you know you have a good idea to go out there yeah. and you, you, you try to control like I, I, I'm on the opposite. Like I like initiating, mm-hmm. but I only initiate if I know that the idea is really, really good. Yes. And then I'll sit on the sidelines, and it's almost selfish in a way because I won't risk something that I'm like, oh, it may not work out. Like, if or when I do stand up, I've workshopped a joke with a bunch of people mm-hmm. before I'll get out there and just put it in front of people because I want, I want the laughs there to be laughs yes when i first tell it and it's like there this is low stakes so if and and with improv too if you're this is low stakes if you make a mistake no one laughs at an open mic Mm -hmm. someone doesn't laugh at an improv show it doesn't matter in the long run right so learning to take risks with that low stakes stuff will allow you to take risks right with other stuff and that's that and that's a very good point that you make there because that's uh very similar to the way I, I was also, is I would have the joke in my head, 
but I'd be like, nah, it's not funny enough, or you know, what, uh, it's a joke, but where else can we go with this? Um, and and Dan was one of the people that I talked to also, um, and he I think was one of the people that just said, go make that bad joke, and then trust that the other person will have some kind of a response. Uh, but just go make that joke. Go be stupid. No one laughs. You just keep moving anyway. He just gets out there, man. Yeah. Uh, I love me some Dan DeSalva. Yeah. He's so funny. Yes. But, yeah, you <laughs> just you just got to go out there. So how do you stay away from being mundane and being just – because I don't think the world actually supports that, right? Like it's the, it's the best thing to do in life, to take risks. Yes. To go out there, to not care about what people think. Right. But that is not how the world is built. It is the way to live, but that's not mm -hmm. how our society is built. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think you just go out and you do it anyway. Because that's uh, when I first started trying to do open mics, I had no training, no coach, no, I didn't have like a friend to even like bounce things off of. So the very first time that I went out and did that, I set very achievable goals. I said, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to stay the whole five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I accomplished that. Um, and I was really bad at it. Um, I got a couple of laughs. I don't, wouldn't necessarily say that I bombed, but just I did the um and the uh too much. I didn't know how to hold the mic, so I kind of, you know, like talking with my hands. And the guy uh, that was hosting it afterwards said, you know, put the mic up to your mouth and don't move it. <laughs> Leave it in the stand if you have to. Um, which uh, when I went up there, one of the first things I thought is when you take like a public speaking class, they tell you, remove obstacles you know if you've got a podium move the podium you know it makes yourself more vulnerable and it makes people think oh this guy's got something to say so I was trying to do that but I was trying to talk with my hands too much while I was holding the microphone um, and that's that's a, a rookie mistake that I made and then I learned from it that's what you have to do you have to learn from things what have you learned from throughout life like have, do you have a particular mistake that you've made throughout um, your life you know, it's it's interesting. I've been trying to think of uh, very specific examples, um, and it's hard to really think of things too much as being purely a mistake because everything you do is the summation of the person that you are. And so all the things that I've done, being introverted, being married, being divorced, doing comedy, these are all where I got to where I am now. Um, and so I don't know. I'm trying to I – was, I can't think of any, like, really – big thing that just makes me think that was just a mistake but there are definitely lots of I guess little things that I think of more as like learning processes like what 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 is the time when you uh you had to curb your learning process like you had to take a u-turn <laughs> yes. like this ain't the right way yes uh okay so I guess we'll go all the way back to when I was in uh I think junior high uh oh we're going back that far yes um <laughs> I was, like I said earlier, very much a slacker. I didn't put any effort into uh, school. I didn't do homework. And we had uh, science projects that we were supposed to be doing all year long. <laughs> um, and I did not do that science. I literally just did not do a science project. And when my mom was dropping me off at school, she saw everybody else with the poster boards going in. And she's like, is something due today? Is there something you should have <laughs> been doing? No, mom, that's a different class. You know, that's, I don't know what they're doing. My, ours isn't due until next week. And I don't know what I thought. If I somehow thought I was going to quickly do one in homeroom, or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. So that's, I, I would say that's definitely uh, 
a mistake. <laughs> so, uh, and so what I did about it, and kids don't do this, but I lied. I went to the teacher and I told her that I had already turned it in and what did she do with it? And she looked all around and she called my mom and she said, I'm so sorry, I lost your son's science project. And my mom was like, did you do a science project? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do a science project. So um, when you make a mistake, don't lie about it. <laughs> that just makes things worse. Did it make things worse? Did you have to do one? Yes. So basically I had to spend the entire next week uh, not leaving the house because I was grounded, um, doing a science project and something that normally, I don't even remember which project it was, but it was it was something where I was doing something and measuring something. I don't know. Um, but I basically, I just, I couldn't leave the house and I had to spend every day working on this, which if I had just picked a couple days earlier would have been easier. Did you have to turn it in? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So and the teacher figured it out. Yes. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so when the teacher talked to my mom and then my mom talked to me, the, the truth came out, um, as it always does. And so I had to go apologize to the teacher for making her panic. Um, and then also that I had to promise that I was going to do a project and she gave me a week to do it. Um, and I don't even remember what grade I got on or anything. If she gave me any kind of leniency or what, but, um, Yes, if you if you don't do something you're supposed to do, there's always consequences, and lying about it won't make it go away. That's one of those t tough last life lessons as a parent, because part of me is going to be proud that you were able to hustle your way out of that, mm -hmm. which I think is a valuable life skill. Mm -hmm. But then you shouldn't be lying to teachers. Yes. So it's like, I, I, now you probably put your mom in a tough position if she was me. Mm -hmm. Part of me is like, yo, you like, good job. <laughs> If you ain't got it, act like you got it. <laughs> right. So, and, and part of why I thought I could get away with it is because I had gotten away with it before. I would have a paper that was due that day, and I would literally just write it in homeroom and then turn it in. And I wouldn't get, you know, necessarily get an A on it, but I'd get a C. I'd pass, you know, get a passing grade. Um, Isn't it always awkward when you do that and someone who tried get like, gets like a D or something? Yes. <laughs> Are you dumb, bro? <laughs> right. So it's, you know, I guess kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to, like, like a blessing and a curse of being smart enough to get away with not putting the effort in. And then it teaches you really bad uh, uh, lessons in terms of discipline. And, and I would say that's one of the flaws that I still have is a lack of discipline. I, I put things off to the last minute. Um, I'm working on it, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's a gift and a curse. Like uh, actually, at work, I joined this group ca called Toastmasters, where they give speeches. Yes. Um, just so I could work on my stage presence a little bit, and I completely forgot I signed up to give a speech. <laughs> <laughs> and I I got messaged at work that day. I was like, okay, it was like a four minute speech about like who you are and everything. Mm -hmm. Dude, I knocked it out. I knocked it out in about 30 minutes yeah. and did pretty well on my intro speech. And I, and I, I remember this was like last week and I was like, I actually said, God, I was like, God, you should have let me not do that. Well, mm -hmm. you should, I need this lesson. Cause I was so nervous. And then I just got on there. I took a deep breath. I was like, well, and I just killed it. And mm -hmm. I was like, God, you should have taught me a lot. That was a lesson you should have taught me, God. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, improv and open mics is that's something it teaches you is how to wing it and get away with it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so we've learned about mistakes you've made, and, and your mistakes have just been you not trying hard enough and yeah. realizing you can. How do you, because I went through this, right, being a slacker, how do you not beat yourself up for not trying your hardest? Because... <laughs> And especially once you start trying your hardest and you start realizing, oh, wow, like these are, I can, uh, instead of making a B, mm -hmm. I can make an A plus. Yeah. And I could have been making A pluses all along. Yeah. I had a teacher pull me aside in high school as I was graduating. He's like, you know, you could have probably been valedictorian if you would have tried. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and I didn't, I was like, so what? But now I think about it, I was like, eh, I probably could have. Like, cause I literally did not try at all. Yeah. Uh, I think. I, well, I think I do beat myself up, so <laughs> that's why I laughed at that part, is how do you not beat yourself up? Um, but I, I think because part of being an adult means that you realize that when you don't do things, there are consequences. You know, like just a real obvious one, if you don't pay that light bill, they're going to shut your lights off. So you have to, there's a number of things you can get away with not doing because you are willing to accept those consequences. But there's a lot that you have to do because the consequences are worse than not doing it. That's good. <laughs> That's good. So we're at the part where I like to call it unsolicited advice. Okay. And I want to hit you up for your advice and see what you have. We've scoured the internet for questions. All right. And I want you to answer these questions. And I also am going to get a producer to make an intro for this because I, I want some <laughs> I want some good questions. All right. So, tell me, what makes you smile with joy? What makes me smile with joy? Um, I guess when I make people laugh, uh, just not even necessarily on the stage, but just when I'm hanging out, uh, when when I say something and other people laugh. It makes me smile. It makes me happy to see other people happy. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> that is that is some uh, psychological, philosophical. Philosophical. I can't, I can't yes. even talk right now. <laughs> Did I blow your mind too hard? Yeah, you blew my mind. Like you're just getting deep. It's yes. It's five o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Yes. Okay. Um, what's one of your greatest achievements? Um. Definitely the engineering degree, because that was one of the times in my life that I had a challenge, I faced it, I completed it, it was really hard work, and I got through it. So it's one of the things that I'm the most proud of. What does that feel like to, to set that goal and make it happen? And did you doubt yourself at all? Um, I did, because I knew that I was such a slacker in high school that I wasn't sure if I had the mental fortitude to actually go to college, which is, you know, next level. And it's really, I mean, just the achievement itself is really rewarding. And it made me feel proud of myself. It made me feel like I actually accomplished something. And I th I'm just going to say that I think an engineering degree is not something everyone can accomplish. And I did it. Uh, I, I think everybody can accomplish it. I don't think everybody would accomplish it because okay. the level of work. Like, I think anybody can do anything. Fair enough. Fair I enough. think, But I think some things are such a hill that most people aren't willing to do what it takes to get up the hill. Okay, I agree. Yeah, and... And engineer is one of those ones where it's a large hill, mm -hmm. very large. Definitely. Yeah. Hell, I wasn't. I didn't want to go up the hill to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. I went to grad. Oh, sorry, I went to, I went to college and was like, oh, this is too many biology classes. 
I don't want to save people's lives that bad. <laughs> there should be like two roads for the doctor, right? Like, you know, like there are different specialties. Mm-hmm. There should be like a doctor whose bedside manner is going to be really well, so they don't have to take as many. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to take as many classes. Yes. My bedside manner would be excellent. I, can, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> But I don't need, so if that's good, I don't need to know as much as somebody who, <laughs> I've met some pretty, I'm going to say shitty doctors, but who, who uh, bedside manner was terrible. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I think there should be two <laughs> paths. Okay, I agree with you. Oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to pitch this to the medical schools. Okay. Yeah. Let Maybe me know we if can, I can write you a letter of recommendation. Well, I don't, it's too late for me now. <laughs> But there is some class clown out there who wants to be a doctor, but not necessarily wants to take all the biology and chemistry courses. Right. But there's some nerd out there who is going to pass all that, who, mm-hmm. may, who may kill somebody because <laughs> they're so dreary and can't make a joke. At, they don't have the comedic timing to make a good joke. Right. Okay. Know? Yes. A good deaf joke or mm-hmm. something like that. 16-year-old <laughs> out there that wants to be a doctor who... Still laughs at fart no- noises. <laughs> I'm going to help you out. There you go. There's your calling in life. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, what's your favorite color, man? Oh, my favorite color. Metallic gray. Metallic. Why is that? Um, I like sparkly, shiny things, but I'm not a fish. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about it, but I guess it's like it's the color of uh, circuit boards and robots. <laughs> and that's what I like. <laughs> what? I'm going to do a little judging right now. Okay. Um, are you? Are did you ever play Final Fantasy VII? I have not. I don't think I've played a, a couple of the Final Fantasies, but I'm not sure if that's the one because that's the big one. That's the big one that everyone talks about, right? Yeah, because yes. they're doing a remake of it. Okay. I'm not sure that I have to be okay. perfectly honest. I just assumed because you're nerdy. Right. No, I'm a gamer, okay. but it's just it's one of those that's gone under my radar. Okay. Just wondering. Just wondering because. I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna get fired from my job when the remake comes out. Okay. So <laughs> yes. I just wanted to know if anybody else is going to be unemployed as well. Oh, okay. Because there are forums out there who talk who, where we're talking about we're all probably gonna lose our jobs. Uh huh. So I didn't know if you were going to be unemployed as well, and if so, we can bond on that. Okay. Well, I currently don't have an actual job, so <laughs> I, I I can commiserate with you on that level. Fair enough. Fair enough. You can walk me through the process. Yes. What made you who you are today? All the mistakes that I've made. <laughs> um, it really is. I mean, just your whole life is a, a learning and growing process. Everything you do adds up to the person that you are. Um, what made me who I am? Um, oh, it's such a such a vague, complicated question. Because everything, everything is what's made me who I am. Uh, being a slacker, being terrible at things, um, learning that's not the way you should live your life. <laughs> um, that's what made me who I am. Okay. What's something I could learn right now that would change my life? Oh, uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, that's just, a, just one thing. That's yeah. a good question. Um, something that you could learn right now um, that would change your life. I think you already know this, but I think just the whole aspect of just taking risks, letting yourself, letting yourself do things, try things, letting yourself fail at things, letting yourself be bad at things just to have accomplished the attempt, uh, attempt. Um, cause I think sometimes just, just trying something, uh, in and of itself can be rewarding, even if you're not any good at it. And even if you fail, I think 
I agree with that. And to add on it, I think it should be a requirement in high school for everybody to do stand-up or yes. in college. Yes. And not because I think everybody's funny. Not, but I, I think it's even better if you're not funny. Yes. But working on something, <laughs> yes. um, writing a joke, writing five minutes worth of material, yes. and going to a bar where nobody listens to you or no one laughs yeah. is the greatest thing you can learn in life because it teaches you not to care. I think I think it should be a required class where you just you do something you work really hard on something and no one cares. So that reminds me, I'll tell you something that I found very interesting and when I went back to school is it was required to take a public speaking class. And that was something that I thought, no way am I gonna get up in front of people and talk. But I realized that because I was not one of these young eighteen year olds, I didn't care what people thought about me. And I got up there and I said things and uh one of the um uh, projects that they let us do was you could do stand-up comedy um, and they said don't feel like you have to write your own jokes you can take someone else's jokes so Mitch Hedberg one of my favorite comedians uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. I butchered a whole bunch of his jokes but a lot of people really found it funny and I think that was the first time that I actually told jokes in front of a room and it it was a life-changing moment it really was because it taught me First of all, that I can stand up in front of people. And second of all, that people can laugh. I mean, they weren't my jokes, but I can make people laugh. Exactly, man. And yeah, I think it's a growth thing. Like when you're when you're doing jokes and you see half the crowd on their phones mm -hmm. and you have to continue on. Yeah. I think that is, it teaches you resilience. Yes. I, I, I think it should be required, to be honest. Okay, um, what is the hardest truth you've ever had to face? Oh, hardest truth I've ever had to face. Um, oh, man. I guess I would probably have to say uh, when I wasn't happy in my marriage and I knew she wasn't happy and we had to have that conversation and that was probably the most difficult conversation I've ever had. And it was a truth. And one of the things that I just said is that you know, I still care about you. I still want you to be okay, but we're not happy, and something has to change. How is how does that uh, not how does that conversation go? But how do you have the courage to? Um, you tiptoe around it for a while. You <laughs> you you ignore it for a while, and then at some point, it just kind of comes out. It's just you're not happy. I'm not happy. What are we going to do about this? Um, and her response really kind of surprised me in that she said that that conversation didn't surprise her, that she kind of saw it too. So y'all both been feeling it. Yeah. Those are tough, man. Yeah. That, that is tough. I can't, I don't even have a comment on that because <laughs> I'm so far away f from marriage and I'm yes. like, I don't even know how you have that conversation. But I'm glad you saw like something needed to change. Yes. Would you tell people that as soon as you would it have been better as because you said you tipped her around it right yeah do you think as soon as you felt that it would have been better just to do it then or did, um did waiting help ease you saying it uh it it must have helped um and you know we we did we, we did things like we did couples counseling and we did some of that stuff try to figure out what you know the problem was or what we can do about it um and so it was like, I guess just that we knew something was wrong. And so we tried to face it together and it just didn't get better. Um, and then that's when you just, I guess you just, you have to say it at some point, this isn't getting better. We need to try something else. You keep using we, that's the lesson you told earlier. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Um, what's the best advice that you've ever received? That I've ever received? Um, I think just uh, when people would encourage me to take more risks. Um, you know, it's, it's not everything in your life is going to be perfect, so go out and do some things badly and figure out what, uh, just taking risks. Just go out there, put, put yourself out there, try things, see what happens. What is the next risk that you're taking, sir? Uh, I am going to go get a full-time job again. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been out of the market? Um, I think about three years or so, which is an awful long time. But you, but you were doing well, though. Uh, in terms of uh, work, uh, or just doing well during the three years of not working? Of not working? Yes. Uh, you were doing your Bitcoin thing? You yes. were doing your poker thing? Yes. Did you, was that part of the risk that you were taking? Um, I want to say that it was, but I don't know that it really was an actual risk, because the way it came about was I lost my job, um, and while I was looking for a new job, I was just playing poker again online to you know pass the time. It was my hobby, and um, and then when it came time to pay bills, I was like, okay, well let me cash out some of my money and pay the bills. And I realized that if I actually committed to playing poker a certain amount of time, I could actually pay the bills <laughs> with the money. Like I could run up my bankroll a little bit, siphon a little bit off, run it up a little bit, siphon a little bit off. Um, and the whole, yes, and it was in, my bankroll was in Bitcoin, and when Bitcoin went crazy last year, uh, it, that was really nice for me. <laughs> oh, word. Oh, you, oh, man, you should have got out. Well, you shouldn't have got out because. I got a lot of it out when, okay. it was in the, when it was at the high end. Okay, sweet. It's probably going to go back up, or it definitely yes. will. If you could talk to your younger self, what would you say? Oh, this is going to sound like I'm just repeating myself, but I guess just I would tell him, take more risks, do Put some effort into school. That's the first thing I would tell <laughs> Ask him. Ask out that girl in middle school. <laughs> Ask out that girl in middle school. You know, that's the thing that, uh, that still, I think, haunts me a little bit, is I just wonder how many of those girls that I went to school with would have gone out with me if I had the courage to talk to them. Oh, God. I hate, I hate middle school McNeil so much. <laughs> I used to sit on the wall, and I hate, I, oh, God. Like, during school dances, mm -hmm. I'd be on the wall, like, so yeah. scared to ask somebody to dance. I didn't even go to the dances. Really? So. Oh, God. Well, see, me now probably didn't need to be in middle school because I'd have just been asking everybody. Yeah. I'd have seen two, a guy and a girl <laughs> dancing and cut in between them like, yo, it's my turn. Like, <laughs> I'd have tried it just to see what happens. Like, So by comparison to that, that scared little kid, uh, this past New Year's, uh, for New Year's Eve, I went out with a very realistic, achievable goal. I said, I'm going to ask a girl to dance who I've never met before. And I actually asked, I think, three or four or five of them, and I came home with a couple phone numbers. Really? So, oh, look at you, man. So, and that's if you had told younger me that that was something that he was going to do, he wouldn't have believed you. See, and I quit caring about rejection, so I'll ask out anybody. Like, yes. I, I know for a fact that if I ever see – I have two. Yes. Beyonce. Yes. And uh, Jessica Bill. Okay. If I ever see them in public, yes, I'm asking. And like, not I, I can get through security, not creepy wise. <laughs> yes. They're signing autographs or something. Right. I'm asking them out on a date. Sure. Because the worst thing they're going to say is, "No, I have a husband." Right. Right. <laughs> but there is a chance. Yes. There is a chance that maybe Jay Z messed up that <laughs> week. There is a chance. So that you maybe want Beyonce's next album to be about you? 
<laughs> yes, sir, I do. I shook my head em- yes. emphatically, but I realized I'm on the air, so you can't see it. Yes. Or, you know, maybe Justin Timberlake messed up that <laughs> week. And she's like, you know what? This guy had the courage to ask me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm the affair. The more you handle rejection, the easier it gets to take. Um, I had um, kind of a funny incident where I was talking to this girl at the bar, um, and I asked for her phone number, and she flat out said no. No, I'm not giving you my phone number. And I went, okay. And you know what? I appreciate your honesty. Mm. And it didn't bother me. I was like, okay. And she actually came up to me later, and she said that she was bracing herself to get yelled at or called names or something like that. And she just wanted to thank me for not being an idiot about it. <laughs> and I said, it's okay. It's, you know. Bro, I've, I've been told no, gone off and like, yeah, I mean, and act like I really didn't care, which I didn't. Yeah. And then that has rewarded me the number later on. Right. What sentence made you think the most in life? Like, have you ever heard, like, a, a phrase or a sentence that made you think the most? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think I know the answer to that. I, yeah, I can give you an example of okay. a sentence that made me think the most. Yes. Shy the Prince, he's a rapper. He said, you can only be the chosen one if you choose to. And that's a line that really made me think, because he put in a lot of work, if yeah. you know his story. Yeah. And it's like... The reason he's he's a successful rapper is because he chose to be. He put in the work, and so you can only be the chosen one if you choose to. Okay. And so that's one that made me think a lot. Okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So you got one for me? I don't know. I guess uh, if we're going to quote some lyrics that have always stuck with us, Tupac said, uh, why do they have money for wars but can't feed the poor? Um, and that's just, I think that's one of the problems that we have in this world is we're putting our resources into uh, destructive means instead of constructive means. Everybody's getting so selfish. It, it is crazy. It is so crazy that we are taking money out of education. And I, and I can't wait. Well, I can't wait. I don't want it to happen. But in like 20, 30 years when all this trying to squeeze all, all the money out of education, I'm, I'm waiting to see how the effects that it has. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some dumb 30-year-olds in 30 <laughs> years. Like they talk about us millennials being dumb. Yeah. Oh, this is only going to get dumber and dumber. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a challenge right now where you get out of your car, you sing Drake lig- lyrics <laughs> as the car is moving forward, and you record yourself, and then you get back in the car. Yes, I don't understand that one. Oh, we're only going to get dumber. I y'all keep money taking the money out of education if you want to. Right. I can't wait to see what the the dumb challenge is. Is in like ten years? Yeah. Going to be like. Jump off a bridge and see if you live <laughs> challenge. Oh, yeah. So where do you think money should, what, what should people focus on? Um, well, I do, uh, I think education is definitely one of the things. And just, I guess, just making sure that resources are available for the people who need them. You know, if you need money to go to school, then that's what we as a community should fund for you. Exactly. And I think it's a balance, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I met people who, you know, got money from the government or got student loans that wasted it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a balance. Like, we got to figure out how to not waste the money, mm-hmm. but it should definitely be readily available for anybody who is serious about trying to change their life and moving up. I agree. So you know what time it is, man. Uh-oh. You have, listened, you have listened to the, the podcast before. Yes. I so have. you know what we have to do next. Okay. It is time for your motivational speech okay i'm gonna put some music on the clock okay 
or not, I'm gonna put some music on music. and I'm gonna give you about a minute. Okay. And I want you to give your motivational speech. Okay. You let me, you give me the thumbs up and I will start. All right, let's just start right now. All right, uh, my motivational speech is that uh, you, you have something within you that you need to get out and share with the world. And so you need to take that risk. You need to put yourself out there. You need to try, you need to fail a couple times because when you succeed, you are gonna do something that you didn't think you could do. And this is what the world needs more of, more risk takers, people willing to put themselves out there and um, just take that shot, man. Just go for it. Short and to the point. I like it. So what you got going on, man? Um, let's see, what do I got going on? Oh, I just uh, got uh, the confirmation that I'm going to be on uh, one of the improv teams for the Secret Society okay. um, in Durham. And so we are going to have about a month's worth of practices, and then we're going to start having shows in uh, Durham and Raleigh, I think, twice a month. Okay, are you excited about that? Yes. How long I, does that last? Uh, it's four months. We get one month of practice and then three more months of practices and shows. Um, I did the Secret Society the first time around uh, last season, uh, and I had a lot of fun. I think I only know one or two people on the team that I'm going to be with, so I think that's going to be fun, you know, getting to meet new people and see what their styles are like. Anything else you want to pitch? Um, I think that's about it right now. <laughs> okay. You're looking for a job. Maybe you can find a job. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyone out there that wants to hire a software engineer that also does open mic stand-up, uh, look me up. You heard it here, folks. He's looking for a job. Uh, he is... That was Jesse Bernier. We have learned a lot. That was Humor and Mistakes on 103.5 WOMCOM FM. We were on every week at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. And remember, everybody, people make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But it's okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs>